get to the money. Welcome to another episode of Drinking After Dark, a podcast where we discuss random topics while having a few drinks. I'm your host, Darius, and as always, drink responsible. And y'all make sure y'all, excuse me, make sure y'all follow Drinking After Dark podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And y'all make sure y'all like and subscribe to Drinking After Dark podcast YouTube channel. Uh, tonight, uh, I have a very special guest with me back again. Uh, this topic we're going to talk about was his idea because I was like, all right, let me read this topic and I got to bring him back on to talk about it. But welcome back, my cuz, my cuz, Ron, what's going on? Man, excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me once again. Yeah, so Ronald Hayes, man, he uh, he hit me up about uh, this particular story, uh, which I didn't know about until you sent it to me. And I was like, um, he, he really said something. Okay, let me read this. And as soon as I, I got up and read it, I was like, I got to talk about this because this is very, very interesting. And stuff like that. Um, do you want me to go ahead and introduce uh why we're this topic that we're talking about, or do you uh do you want to bring it up first? No, no, no. I'll tell you what, go ahead and give a shout out to your sponsor. Then let's get into it. Well, I'm gonna be real with you. Uh for all the support, you know, for everybody out there like that. Um, you know, Joe, he was, you know, been real good to me and everything like that. Uh, he's no longer my sponsor anymore, but, oh. but it's shout, all good though. Shout out to Joe. It's all good though. Cause he's still supporting the uh, platform and everything like that. Oh, uh, that's dope. so, you know, it's, it's good, but anybody else who wants to sponsor the podcast, man, sponsor the podcast. And, uh, before we get started, I know a lot of you guys are asking about reviews. Uh, me and my boy James are doing, we're coming back next month. Uh, we've both been busy over these last few months, but we're coming back with more reviews for you. So y'all stay tuned for that. All right. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, we're going to talk about Eddie George. All right. Uh, so Eddie George made some comments um, about this. First off, before I get into the what he said, um, Ron, I know you found this out before me and you sent me the text. Um, how did this come about? Uh, across your phone, or how did you uh, find this uh, story? How did it come well, about? Just being on social media, and I, you know, I, as someone who attended TSU back in the late eighties, um, excited to to follow them and stay in the know. And I was just looking through Facebook and. One of my Facebook friends posted it and then somebody else posted it and uh, I read it and went on YouTube, put up a couple of videos to hear what he had to say about it. And that'll be something that you and I probably will want to discuss. So 
sent it to you. Definitely, definitely. And I like the Uncle Nearest shirt that you got on too, man. I know man, you probably drinking. You probably drink Uncle. Yep. I, I I ain't gonna lie. I had a shot of that one time. But it about burned my chest. I was like, yo, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's it was something different about it. My my grandfather had it. My grandfather had the Uncle Nearest, and I had it. I was like, okay, but. It, I am. Put, I am going to do a review on that. Put it, put, That's my, put it, my thing. Put it. Put it on ice and let it open up a little bit. Okay. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Put it on ice. Do you drink Jack? You like Jack? I, actually, I do have some Jack. I actually have some Jack here. Some regular Jack, black Jack, or gentleman's Jack, or some along those lines. Um, I have uh the honey. I have the honey. Okay. Okay. So, right, so. I got that. Yeah, put it on, put it on some ice. Let it open up a little bit. It'll, it'll change your palate. You stop drinking that honey. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely will, man. I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, now, I did, I did try the gentleman Jack, which is very. I like. Actually, I might just end up getting that next time when I'm at the yeah, store. Gentleman Jack, Jack is a good pour. But you know, I'm I'm still on my crown vanilla. But you know, I'm drinking that crown vanilla. Like always, okay. as, usual. Uh, as usual, you know, I I just can't get away from it. I I like it. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, give you the backstory on the Eddie George comments. Uh, this past weekend, it was uh, TSU's homecoming, uh, like you said, and Eddie George uh, seemed a little frustrated about the uh, attendance and the support from, uh, I guess you could say, fans, um, alumni, you know those who are associated with Tennessee state or, you know, whoever, but um, I'm gonna go ahead and read some of these uh, quotes. So quote, and I'm reading from the Tennessee, by the way, uh, quote, what I find interesting is that there was almost 30,000 fans tailgating outside of Nissan at homecoming while we were playing the game. And a lot of them overcame into the, a lot of them never came into the stadium. Some people might not find football appealing. It might be more for the social atmosphere. I told my team we may be playing in front of empty bleachers the last three games. Now, for those who don't know, uh, I think Tennessee State has a winning record right now. And Tennessee State plays in the OVC conference, uh, for those who don't know. So it's not, you know, not to swag, not to me at they play in the OVC conference. Uh, but uh, this is something that he has been uh, talking about. Um, also on here, they said there was a drop-off in attendance in the second half of the 2022 season after an average of uh, close to 17,000 showed up for the first two home games. Then the average dipped to, you know, a little over 10-5 for the uh, – well, over 10-6 for the last two. Um, so what are your thoughts on Eddie George's statement? Um and before that, let me uh, let me read some more before I give you thoughts. Uh, if that happens again, I told my team it doesn't matter. We're going to use that to our advantage. We're going to play for each other. It's going to be important for us to gather up our own energy for each other. So just your thoughts on the statement that Eddie George has made in terms of the fan support to know just, just in general. What's, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I'm going to reserve my initial thought for later because it's definitely going to 
direct us into another conversation. Mm-hmm. But my my thought is this. My thought together. My thought is this. Eddie George, to me, well, first of all, Eddie George, phenomenal, phenomenal player. He was phenomenal at Ohio State, won the Heisman, phenomenal with the with the Titans, did his thing. Eddie George is used to, and this isn't a knock to Eddie George. Eddie George is used to playing in front of major crowds. Whereas TSU is is different. Like you said, they're in the OBC. They can't even compete in the OBC. This is the, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the first season. Eddie George has been there three years. This is his first winning season thus far. And we still have a few games to go. So hopefully he can, you know, he could pull it out and, and get to the, the FCS playoffs. But HBCU is different. And regardless if you're a football fan or not, if you don't have a vested interest in the game, you're, you're not going to attend. And there are a lot of factors working against them. Like the aforementioned, he's in the OVC. So he's he's playing against Southeast Missouri and Tennessee Tech. You know, who that's there's no allure to that where there's more of an allure to playing Grambling or playing Florida AM. Right. Se- secondly, not playing in the hole, playing all the games in Nissan. They, yep. oh, they opened the hole back up when he came back. And they played a couple of games there. And people love the experience of going to the hole. Nissan is a completely different animal. We bought our tickets Friday, like late Friday evening. And there were only three sections available to purchase our tickets. And that was right around the, the south end zone. We go in the game, the other side is completely empty. Completely. So if maybe had they opened up more seats, maybe they would have gotten more people. Just maybe. It's just a thought. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep in mind that people are more vested and games that matter to them. Right. UT Alabama is going to draw a much larger crowd than UT Missouri. Yep. The Cowboys hate them or love them. They're a marketing machine. They're not anywhere near the rest of the teams in the conference. But Jerry Jones knew that Dallas versus Washington, Philly, New York is going to make a lot more money than Dallas versus the conference they should be in, which is the NFC South with Atlanta and New Orleans. Yep. So 
and what is Eddie investing into the culture? What is he doing to, what is he or the school doing to actually get people to come to the games? Do students get in free? I, I believe they do, but. Yeah, students get in free. But yeah, they have to stand in line to get tickets like everybody else. Alabama State this year emailed their entire student body tickets. Oh, wow. Right. So if TSU took the initiative to do that, then you probably have uh, a much larger attendance. The student body, they they love going to the games just for the hoopla of it. So when uh, the current students at TSU, if they want to go to the game, they have to wait on tickets to go to a game? They have they have to go to the ticket office and get tickets. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and that line is I'll put it this way. When I stood in line because I didn't know if we were gonna actually buy tickets to the game or if we were going to join somebody in a suite. So I went to get a parking pass. It's homecoming week and you have one person working the window. One. So you and so students have to wait in that line just like everybody else. Dang. That, that's and then the games are played off campus. Right. So they have to figure out transportation to get to Nissan when it's just as easy for the school to just run the shuttle back and forth. So this is not just a football thing. This is more of a, it's kind of like a whole school thing in terms of organization and all of that stuff. Because I think. Because if you play at uh, Nissan Stadium, you got to pay for parking down there too, don't you? I was just about to say that. You got to pay for parking. And I mean, parking is only $30, but to somebody, that's $30 that they could spend on somebody else. Or they could spend it in the concessions, you know, something like that. Right. That's that's a ticket. So if they just do things a little differently, I think you'll see better attendance and you got to keep in mind what what what's the product you're putting on the field. And I don't yeah. think he understands that HBCU football is different than PWI. Way different. It's like a reverse culture to a sense. Whereas with Ohio State, the tailgating, the parades, the bands, they're all accoutrements to the football team. With the HBCU culture, all of these are major attractions. There's probably more people at the parade than at the football game. That's true. That's true, because I, I know you know about this. Uh, when TSU would come to Austin P and play, you'll see more people at the games just to see the band play than to actually watch the game itself. Right. So... um. <clears throat> You're absolutely right. Uh, just real quick, uh, Tennessee State right now is uh, four and two, and they're fourth in the uh, conference. But yeah, they do play a UT Martin. Oh, well, this is all the people in their conference. You know, they got UT Martin, 
uh, Southeast Missouri, Lindenwood, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Illinois, you know, things like that. So in terms, like you said, in terms of who they play, you know, certain people don't come to the games that, you know, and, and who, who is their main rival too? Like, because usually they, you know, some schools they have a rival, but when it comes to Tennessee State, I guess because of the conference they're in, you know, they're not in the uh, swag, they're not in the MIAC. You know, a lot of people are not going to go to see them play a UT Martin. You know, they're not going to go see them play a SEMO or Tennessee Tech. So it's it's not only that, but I also take it a step further, is that even with uh, smaller PWI schools, you know, they don't really draw a large uh, crowd in terms of their football uh, games and everything like that. I could, you know, point to Austin P. They don't really draw a large crowd. You know, some people go out there, but it's not as big. But they do play on their campus, which is, you know, what you want to do. You want to keep all the money at home. Exactly. Instead of, you know, sourcing it out to a stadium where all that money could come to your home and then you get cycling that money to your home. So um, do you know how how big the stadium, the uh, the hole is, how much, how many people it can hold? The whole problem can hold about six, seven thousand, I guess. But you gonna pack it out. <laughs> so it's gonna it's gonna look it's gonna look more yeah. than the, the smaller clubs are bigger the party. Yeah. I I wish that, you know, to your point, Eddie George has been playing in front of big crowds for so long. I mean, so long. You went to a major college. You won the Heisman Trophy. You played for the Titans. You played in the Super Bowl. You're so used to playing in front of 60, 70, 80, shoot, 100,000 people, because that's what college, no, big uh, college stadiums, they hold over 100,000. But now you come down to coach on this level, understanding that, you know, it's not going to be the same. Now, that doesn't mean you can't coach your team. You know, if you put out a product, that people want to come watch, then yeah. But as sometimes too, um, the culture of the school, if it's not really a big football school, you know, you're not going to get like a support like that and everything like that. So I just think that um, he should, to me personally, he should just worry about the players. I mean, of course, you know, if you want to push the game back to the hole, it'd be like, hey, we just packed this thing out. Let's not waste our money going to Nissan Stadium and all of that stuff. Homecoming, maybe I see because if you want to have more people come watch the game, but just go back on campus and just play your games and you know pack that thing out. The the energy will feel a whole lot different, especially for your players because they're going to feel I, it. I went to TSU, nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight. Dang, and and right, I, I forget how old I am sometimes. And wait, hold on, let me in. let me ask you this question real quick. Dang it! I wish my I wish I could ask my mom because I think my mom attended TSU in eighty. Oh crap! Now I'm thinking. We I'm born in eighty. Y'all was there, yeah. We y'all were, was there around the same we were, time. We were, we were there at the same time. Yeah, because I was born in eighty eight, and she graduated from college in eighty seven. So yeah, yeah, high school, yeah. Yeah. So she we went we to were, ten. Well, we were there at the same time. Yeah, we were there. We were there. Uh, say, Tim Cross was there. 
Tim Cross and I went to TSU together. Okay. There weren't too many people from Clarksville, and your mother wasn't a Clarksvillian at the time, so we couldn't claim yeah. her as a homie. But um, yeah, we were there at the same time. But back then, TSU played homecoming at Vanderbilt. So they've always played their big games in a larger arena because the hole is nowhere near big enough to host a homecoming game. Uh-huh. And when the Titans came, that was part of the structure to build the new stadium. TSU had the option to build their own stadium, and they didn't. They built, they went in with the Titans and paid them a nice amount of money and signed a 20-year contract. And I think somebody put some money in their pocket. I ain't calling who, but uh, Webster was the president at that time. I think he was the one who pushed that deal. But anyway, um, I said all that to say that even – I don't see TSU ever feeling – the bottom bowl of Nissan. And they don't open up club seats for Nissan. And they're not going to sell any seats in the nosebleeds. And they're only opening right. X amount of concessions for Nissan. So it's like you're renting a house, but you can't access the the entire house. Yeah, it's it's kind of amazing, like you said, that you know you had the option to build your own stadium. You no, know, again, keep everything in house, but we all know how deals get done. Somebody is we know we are we always hear stories and things like that. Right. But to your point, I actually I want to bring this point up because while Eddie George was talking about, you know, the stadium, of course, you know, he's gonna feel some type of way by playing for the Titans and you know, his career. You know, we all know him playing at that exact stadium. So he feels some type of way like, yeah, I I made my name here. You know, we should do all this stuff. But when you bring up Vanderbilt, people don't know this. Vanderbilt don't even sell out. I mean, Vanderbilt, in terms of their football, even though they're in the SEC, you know, depending on who coming to play them, they're like, because eh, they don't, to your point, they don't have a product to put on the field that's, now, baseball is a whole different story. They got a great baseball team, but in terms of football, you know, a lot of people don't go to the games like that at uh, Vanderbilt, uh, depending on who they play too. But it's uh, – and you would think being in Tennessee, us being in Tennessee, we're how, – how would you describe Tennessee in terms of football as a whole real quick? Are we like a real big football state or is it just like – we watch football, but we're not really into football like that, or it's kind of Tennessee is a big to me. Tennessee is a big football state, but that doesn't mean all Tennesseans are big football fans of any level of Tennessee football. Okay. You, you have probably have a larger Alabama fan base in Nashville than you do UT. The only That's time true. the Titans really, really sell out is when they play somebody with 
a huge fan base, like when the Cowboys come to town or San Francisco, Oakland. Steelers. Yeah. So you may have that one. And I know a lot of Titans fans that have their Steelers jersey hanging in the back of their closet and they can't wait to put it on. <laughs> like as long as the Steelers aren't playing, then I'm a, I'm a root for the Titans. It's like even though the Titans are a home team, they're a secondary team. Yeah. And you're one of them. Yep, I sure am. And, that, I, and, I, and, 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 and that's okay because we we you know what was poured into you is who you are. You know, you, you were born a Steelers fan, you know, Steelers fans in your family. Mm-hmm. And the Titans are only a 25-year-old team. Yeah, where you have all these other franchises that have had fan bases for a lot longer than we've been in existence. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too because I'm. We are a big football now. We're not as big, say you take Alabama or even Texas. You know, that's pretty much like a religion to them down in those states. But you know, we do have a, a huge football. <clears throat> uh, we're we're huge in football in the state, um, especially in the region that we're in. You know the southeast region. So, as a whole, is big down here. But again, you know when you're so used to being on the top level, um, maybe he could have took a page out of Deion Sanders' book. You know, just you know, coach. You know, this is his real first coaching experience, like college wise, as a head coach. You know, everybody got to start somewhere. So it's real. So, you know, just use this build, just build a program up. That doesn't mean you can't build a successful, successful program and everything like that. But, you know, we all know attendance is, is very important. You know, there's money and stuff involved. There's a business aspect. But as a coach, you know, worry about your, your team. And then maybe, you know, probably have a team around you to help you. Just like with Deion Sanders, he has a whole social media team pretty much around him. And, of course, he's such a big figure already. You know, he could draw people because he's Deion Sanders. You know, so maybe he could, you know, tap into that aspect to say, hey, I'm going to use this platform to my advantage. You know, we can reach these people, come out to support us and things like that. You know, it is so many things for uh, so many uh ways for him to grow in that aspect and stuff like that. But I hope to see uh, – I, I really hope to see a change at Tennessee State. Hopefully, like you said, go back to the hole and play their games and just leave Nissan Stadium alone. That's just my thing. Just leave that alone and just just play, just play at home. The ener- To me, I think the energy is way better for them to play at home than to, you know – now, your bigger games, I get the bigger games, you probably need a bigger venue, but focus on home. I think you focus on home, then you build your way up. Then who knows? Maybe you can build that stadium that wasn't built a long time ago. And then you could draw more people. So that's real. Who knows? Now you say you want to go into something. Um, uh, you didn't want to say it in the beginning, but you want to move on to add just, on to you something. Just touched, you just touched on it, Dion. But before we get into that, let's uh Let's keep in mind that not only is this Eddie George's first coaching gig, he, and I can't say I quote, but pretty much verbatim, 
when Dr. Glover called him and asked him about the position or the athletic director or whatever, he went in and had a conversation with his wife and he said, you know what, I just had the strangest phone call. They asked me to be a coach at Tennessee State University. And his wife said, well, maybe they see something in you that you don't. And I said all that to say, Eddie had no thoughts of being a coach. He was into acting. Yeah. Acting, acting and, and, and doing commentary from time to time. He, he had no, no thoughts of being a coach. And I think that the reason he was pursued was because they wanted to recreate what Dion did at Jackson State. But keep in mind, Dion put in a lot of work. And that was my first thought. He wants the love that Dion received, but he's not putting in the work that Dion is putting in or put in. Dion put in a lot of work for Jackson State. I mean, he literally laid the blueprint for what you need to do as a celebrity head coach to be successful in HBCU. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, in my heart, believe that they, hey, baby, I honestly believe in my heart that they felt mm-hmm. like Eddie George is going to bring that same allure to TSU. Newsflash, he didn't. But no, he, he, it, I mean, all, he, all he's got to do is just put, put the work in. Like I said earlier, what have you brought? What, what are you doing to get more people invested in TSU football? Could that be? Can, all right. So, because you brought up to Deion Sanders. One thing Deion Sanders, we know obviously what he's really good at, we can say great at, and that's recruiting, right? He got the number one player out of high school to come to Jackson State because he is Dion. I'm not saying everybody is going to be Dion. That's not let's, – let's just be honest. There's only one Dion. But can Eddie George be a really good recruiter to get some, you know, top black um, athletes to even take a look at Tennessee State? Can he yes. do that? He can. He can. Like you said, he was phenomenal. We we both agreed on that. He had a great college career, won the Heisman, played in the Super Bowl, had a, a, a good run with the Titans. So imagine you being my age and you watched Eddie George in college. You watched him as a pro. And now he's sitting in your living room talking to you about your son coming to play for him. Mm. So he has he has a, an opportunity to utilize his star power in a way that I don't believe any other head coach in in SWAC, MEAC, OVC can. So with that being said, with the um, how can I put this question together? The NIL, the NIL deals, right? We know they're in place. A lot of these uh, athletes, you know, they're looking to profit off their name, image, and likeness. How can that work into the advantage, say, of a Tennessee State? 
in a way, not not competing on the level of say the Tennessees, the Texas, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, you know, the big schools, but in a way, how can they somehow use that to their advantage to even draw the uh the top black athletes to their school? Well, again, it's about in order to draw top athletes, you gotta have a you gotta have a top program. Okay. You gotta you, you gotta be in a position to where these kids want to come and play for you. For whatever reason. Kids kids are beating out Colorado's door right now. Not to go to Colorado to play for Dion. They were beating down the door at Jackson State. Not to mm. be, not to go to Jackson State, not for the HBCU experience. They wanted to play for Dion. Yeah, and Dion is Dion is a hell of a marketing machine. What Dion did in college is what college athletes are doing now. Dion Slick set the set set himself up to not set himself up, but the NILs that you just mentioned. Dion Slick paved the way for that to happen because he created. Primetime. Mm. He created a brand. He sold himself. And that's what NILs are all about. You selling yourself, you selling your brand. But you want your brand to be attached to a brand that's just as big as yours, if not bigger. There has to be some sort of allure. Okay. In order to, in order to get that student to want to come Come to TSU. So because if, if you're if, if you're if you're a, a big time athlete, if you're a big time college athlete, you're gonna make money anyway. Yeah. Because of the NIL. But why why should I bring my talents to to TSU? What 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 is TSU gonna do for me? Gotcha. What does TSU have going for itself? It's gonna do for me. And you're not gonna get the same shine as a PWI. Because you're playing in the OVC. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to see a TSU um, Tennessee Tech game on ESPN. <laughs> you see it on, on ESPN 3. ESPN Plus. Yeah, exactly. So you're not going to it, – it's not going to get that allure. Whereas if TSU went to the SWAC, now, now you're doing something. Now you're you're going to get some allure because you're going up against um, Florida, Florida, and um, um, so on and so forth. You got a chance mm-hmm. to play in the SWAC MEAC championship, which is just as big as outside of like the Rose Bowl or the Peach Bowl, just as big as any other bowl. Yeah, that's <clears throat> so pretty much uh Eddie George, if you're listening, focus on the program first. <laughs> focus on the program first, build that into a winning program. Cause you know, top players want to go to a winning program. We we kind of know that. Build that to a winning program. Um a lot of people don't know, like, because they're in the FCS, well, the Ohio Valley Conference. Um 
when they when they get to that playoff and they see oh they're winning on this level, and then you know when they get to that um, I guess that national championship game on the FCS where it brings like attention to the program, just that exposure, you know that's why a lot of players you know, I think when you remember Appalachian State, they mm-hmm. were in the FCS before they even moved up because they were beating teams in the FBS actually, so they moved up to the uh, FBS and they're doing pretty good, but that exposure is everything, uh, not only to a program, but also to a player. Cause everybody wants, you know, they want to be seen because a lot of them have dreams to get to the next level and play in the NFL. Exactly. So, um, basically treat it like, basically it is a business, you know, more than a sport, it is a business, build it up, you know, lay the foundation, build into a, a winner program, a consistent winner program, right? And then you can start, you know, taking that with you, with your name to recruit some of these top players to come to your school, and then you just see what else happens from there. So you I put just, a marketing team around you. You gotta you gotta have a marketing team around him. Yeah, that that's the thing too, because um, like you said, he was really into acting. While Deion Sanders, he was constantly on TV, NFL Network. Um, what else? He was doing uh, documentaries and things like that. No, he always has the camera around him all the time, it seems. Or he's in front of the camera all the time, it seems. So people, especially younger players, they see his face so much to where he can always brag about his accomplishments and you know, people bragging for him. Not too many people are bragging for Eddie George on his behalf. He has to do all that stuff himself just to say, yes, this is what I've, I've accomplished and this and that and all of that stuff. But definitely, definitely uh, put that marketing team around you to draw the attention uh, to you. Because, yeah, I think the the recruits that you're going after, these kids today, everything is through their phones. You know, it's, it's like you got to constantly – you know, beat it into their brain, Eddie George, Heisman Trophy winner. I want to go play for a Heisman Trophy winner, right? Even though, like, you have um, – who's a who's a great college coach? Uh, Steve Spurrier, right? Steve Spurrier was a great college player, right? He won the Heisman, right? You had players go play for him just because he won the Heisman. Why not use that to your advantage? Like, hey, I'm in these commercials. Y'all don't see those Heisman commercials? I'm in those commercials. I got the Heisman Trophy. I could show you the way to – you know, be successful on this college level and, you know, the teacher, the way to be dedicated to get to the next level. So once he but get with that, that. With that being said, that's a good job. But with that being said, you still got to build a, a winning program. Yeah, no that's one why I said you got to build that winning program. You got you got to build a winning program. You just gave his record and his standing in the OVC. He's four. We're four and two. Fourth place in OVC. Six yeah. teams in OVC. Do the math. Yeah. So that means there's three teams out there better than than TSU in the OVC. Well, teams the breakdown. Said, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Well, the breakdown <laughs> the the uh, record real quick. They're they're fourth place. They only played one OVC game, so they're zero and one. So they still got right. time to you know, get up there, be, you know, first in their uh, league. But um, overall, they're four and two. 
Now the best team in their conference is UT Martin. They're five and one. Um, UT but, Martin. Yeah, they're five and one. They're on the five game winning streak, so they they're playing good ball right now. It's only three teams with above five hundred record. Uh, UT Martin, Tennessee State, it's um, Eastern Illinois. Okay, so with that being said. TSU is the most popular out of these teams mm-hmm. with the most popular coach. What's going wrong? What's the problem? That is that is true. Problem, like you said, um, there there's not a winning culture there yet. So. No, these no. You gotta look at this conference. You know they getting the best players that they can because the foundations that they have set. You know they want to play for conference championships and everything like that. So, um, you know, just if he could build this uh, program up and he stays with it, he doesn't leave or whatever. If he stays and continues to improve and everything, he could be the most dominant team in this conference to where it's like. All right, we we done dominated this conference so much. We probably need to find another conference to uh, move to. You know, just like with Austin P, they moved to another conference because they were in the OVC with uh, you know with these teams right here. But now they're in a whole different conference. So, and they uh, they're having a good year. They ranked number twenty four now with the new FCS rankings. So maybe that could be the same thing that happened with Tennessee State. Maybe it's just you know, build build your foundation, build your program, dominate the conference, and who knows, move on to another conference, better competition. You know, the more the the more dominant you are, the more you can move up, possibly move up, and you know, get more exposure that way. So, but, but it's still about the allure. Do how many people actually care about UT playing Tennessee Tech? UT playing, I mean, excuse me, TSU playing Tennessee Tech, TSU playing no. uh, SEMO. There were probably more TSU fans that drove to Atlanta for the Kennesaw State game than there are that would come to, um, I want to say Austin P, but that would go to like, um, UT Martin, Tennessee, yeah. and probably the same distance. Matter of fact, Cookville is only two hours away from Nashville. Kennesaw mm-hmm. State is in Atlanta. That's three and a half, four hours. Right. So you drive. So you got fans that are driving further. Why? Because of the allure of the game. They're playing the HBCU, and like we said before, the HBCU culture is different. So. When he was making the comments about it doesn't always have to be about partying and drinking liquor and and eating wings, basically the the culture of H of of homecoming it doesn't always have to be like that. If that's not the case, why did they just announce twenty four hours, forty eight hours after he made these comments that we're playing Harvard University next year? That's gonna be a huge game. We have a we we have a one and one deal with Howard University. Go to DC next year, 
2025, Howard University comes here. And then they have another game. I want to say it's Alabama State. I can't remember. But um, I think they I think we play Arkansas Pine Bluff. And it was supposed to be a, a one and one. And we went there, but now they don't want to come here. So to fill that gap, I think we're inviting um let's say Alabama State here. I have to look it up. And paying them a hundred thousand dollars. Well, we got paid a hundred and fifty thousand to go to uh Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know what? You're you're absolutely right. They change conferences, you know, Swag Miak, they'll have a I think they're like you said, but it's not just a HBCU thing. It's a college thing. You got you no know, people who are fans of a team. They will travel far for a team. We we have all seen it. It's just they, that they, they they will travel far for a team. But then again, it it depends on who you're so, playing. Yeah, you, you and I just agreed that UT Alabama is going to draw more. UT Alabama draw more than UT Austin P. Yeah. Because Definitely. they have more vest, they have more vested in that game, because that's a rivalry. TSU don't have a rivalry right now, but if they play, I think the only rivalry, the only thing they had closer to a rivalry was Jackson State, because we met them every year in Memphis. Is that what is that what Tennessee State is also missing too? Is that premier rivalry game they, that they don't have one? I mean, you know, we we. Went to um, we went we played in Memphis this year. I don't even remember who we played. Let me see. Because when you think oh. about college, when you think about college, you know, part of their season is those big rivalry games. You know that right. one game out the season where everybody is coming, right? So, right. you know, the tail. Here's the thing: the tailgate and all that stuff. That's part of the college football experience that's just a football experience as a whole so you know even even if they're not inside the stadium that doesn't mean they don't have tvs hooked up outside you know probably watching a game from outside they probably just want to you know being more relaxed you know with their boys and all that stuff eating good food and all it's just part of their just part of the college football culture yeah you know but put them into college football yeah, so I I never understood that statement because I was like, well, tailgating is part of football culture. So it's kind of like, you know, are you upset that they're not in person? You know, like you said, a lot of them are not fans. They're not fans like that. They just go for, you know, it is homecoming. They're coming back home. They just want to spend time with some of their old uh, classmates and everything like that, enjoy themselves, you know. It's just... and, and and I get one wanting to drive more fans into the game. I, I get that. I'm, I'm not gonna say there's anything wrong with that because there were a lot of people out there tailgating. I mean, and it may have been more people out there tailgating than it was in the. Oh no, there was a lot of people out there tailgating, but um. Again, he was making comments. And one, one thing I didn't hear Eddie George say, I didn't hear him thank the fans that came, that showed up in attendance. I didn't hear him say that. All I heard was him griping and talking about how disappointed he was because a lot of fans left after halftime. Does he not remember that it rained after halftime? Not long. Yeah. 
for long enough for people to be like, I don't want to sit out here in this. And right. we sat in traffic 30 minutes plus trying to get into the stadium because Metro had a thousand roads blocked off. Man. Roads that are roads that are not blocked off going to TSU games. I mean, going to Titans games. I understand them setting up roadblocks after the game to keep the flow of traffic going, but they had a lot of roads blocked off even going to the game. Mm. And so if you if you sitting in traffic for 30, 35, 40 minutes, how many people do you think actually turned around and was like, you know what, I can go home? Yeah. Or I can, you know, I, I can go downtown or I could go do whatever instead of trying to fight to get into this game. Yeah. So yeah. he has there are a lot of a lot of factors that are coming into play than just people not wanting to come out and support TSU. And homecoming is always going to be the biggest game of the year. You're always going to have more people at homecoming than you're going to have. That's a regular season at, games. Yeah, at a regular season game. And that that's what any, for a reason. Yeah, that's pretty much what any uh, school out there, you know, homecoming, everybody's coming back in town. Uh, stuff like that. That's usually their biggest game. That's what uh, uh, teams are looking forward to. You know, they're looking to show out in front of their team. Now, I'm gonna read. Uh, this is something I, I don't know if you know about this, right? So, I'm still on uh, the Tennessean. So okay. they pretty much have the. So this is according to NCAA.com. Uh, they have uh, Tennessee State. Uh, number three in their HBC rankings. All right. So they have North Carolina Central number one, Florida AM number two. So those are the two HBCUs that's um, ahead of them. So, which I didn't know, they actually did HBCU rankings. Me either. Uh, which to me. I thought, I don't know. I'm probably, maybe I'm just confused because of the conference that TSU was in. Or they just ranked all the HBCUs regardless of what conference they're in. Like these are the this is our power rankings for uh HBCUs. But I actually just saw this while while you were speaking. I was like, oh, so Tennessee State is number three in uh in the uh in, on uh the rankings and for by the NCAA.com. So that's that's very interesting. They were number four last week, they moved up one spot. But but you're right. They can uh they have room to grow. I think they have room to grow. But like you said, I think the biggest thing was too, that you know, you said it that a lot of people were leaving after halftime. You know, once they see their band play, they like, all right, let's uh let's go ahead and bounce up out of here. You know, some people say cause they love football, but not everybody, you know, everybody's just a casual fan. They're not an actual football fan. So, and if you are an actual football fan here in the city of Nashville, you have other options. You can go to a Vanderbilt game. You can go to a Titans game. You can travel a couple of hours and catch a Louisville game or UT game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if, if, I do wish more people would attend TSU, but TSU games. But he, 
the way his approach is like if you if you're really a football fan and you're just because people don't attend TSU games like that, that don't mean they're not football fans. He could have found a better way to deliver his message. Now, I went online earlier and saw, and these numbers are going to surprise you, the HBCU homecoming attendance numbers are in. So for HBCU Premier Sports and More website, for 2023, the highest attended football games, the first one is the State Fair Classic, 52,389. The next one up under that is the Southern Heritage Classic that TSU participates in, 35,000 plus. After that, as far as homecomings and all of that, the Morehouse Tuskegee Classic, Tuskegee Homecoming, Jackson State Homecoming, Southern versus Jackson State, and Alabama A&M Homecoming. Now, out of all of these games, Morehouse-Tuskegee, rival game, because it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Southern-Jackson State, rival game. Tuskegee, Jackson State homecoming, Alabama A&M homecoming, these are homecomings that are actually played in their stadiums. So you don't have to leave their campus for the homecoming, for the ultimate homecoming experience. Mm. That that's a that's a huge deal, and I think once they, like you said, once they get their rival and they start playing on on their own, a home field, things will change. I think it will because even though you can't pack more than a certain number of people in the stadium, that don't mean they can't be around campus. With their TVs or... You don't even really... I mean, you know, we talked about the whole and the allure and the experience of the whole. You don't even have to go that far to pack a game. All you got to do is change your conference. The SWAC would gladly, and I mean emphatically, pay the buyout fee to the OBC for TSU to come. They said... They should. They, I think they, because they, they know that that's, that's an investment that's going to pay off. So now you're playing Florida and m and you're playing Grambling and you're, you're playing Jackson State and, and Southern University. This is what's going to pack it out. So when you're at home coming and you look across and you see empty seats, you're going to see the other side filled with Florida A&M fans because they travel well. Yeah, or Jackson State fans because they they travel pretty decently. Alabama, Alabama A and M is like an hour and a half up the street. Yeah, and Nashville, Nashville is a hot city. Nashville is the the go to city. So, you honestly think if we played Alabama A and M, we wouldn't pack out Nissan? You would pack out Nissan, yeah. And yeah, I think that'd be good for business for Nissan too. Exactly. So it, 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 if he really wants to pack it out, the, the, he, he's got so much going against him. I don't, I don't see it happening. I would, I would love for him to, but I don't see it happening. So they're, they're the, gonna, they're gonna have to change. So the full, so in, before I moved on, uh, going any further. So these are all the teams in the OVC conference, pretty much. Uh, Arkansas, Little Rock, Eastern Illinois, Lindenwood, Moorhead State, 
uh, SEMO, Southern Illinois, uh, Edwardsville, uh, Southern Indiana, Tennessee State, Tennessee Tech, UT Martin, and Western Illinois University. So those are all the teams in the OVC conference. Um, but they do need a big rivalry game. They probably need to go ahead and just, you know, try to figure out a way to get to um, HBC conference and everything like that because – and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm pretty sure – even though these all these schools are part of the OVC, you know they always looking for a way to move because it's it's a business thing too. You know, it's a money thing in effect. And prime example, Austin P moved to another conference. So I think Tennessee State need to go take that lead. And if they could have that conference buy uh help them buy out and move to the SWAC, it'll be good for them. It'll be good for uh uh, for the school, and of course, it'd be good for the business of Tennessee State. So, we'll see how how that all plays out. Um, then again, we don't know the rules in terms of switching conferences or anything like that. Maybe it's like a couple of years. Who knows? They probably already got some in motion. We're just gonna have to wait and see uh, in the future what time comes. But I would definitely like to see that. I would like to see uh, them. The OVC is a dying conference. Yeah, it is now. Austin, Austin P just got out. Murray State just they showed it get out them too. Bearded them a dude. Oh, and those were like probably two of the biggest schools other than TSU that, in the conference. That's what hurt OVC because those two schools left because they were two of the bigger names in the conference outside of Tennessee State. So two of the three big schools in the conference are gone. So now it's kind of like, why are you still here? Maybe you're right. going to have to leave right. out. Look at the example, right? Uh, the Pac-12, right? They're it's over for them. This is I was this is that last season Pac-12, and all the other schools there. I know you got a. Uh, I know you got some schools that are going to different conferences next season, um, but the Pac-12 basically is a dying conference. So. I mean, you just got to line up. I mean, just go ahead and get out before it gets worse. You know, so that's the way I look at it. Just, just go ahead and make that move. Make that wish jump. They would. I wish I wish they would. All right. So um, I'm going to ask you this one thing before we get out of here. I don't know if you heard. Because we were talking about HBCUs and everything. I know Eddie George said what he said. But uh Dr. Umar Johnson, I wanna <laughs> I know you probably heard the comments he has made towards uh Coach Deion Sanders. Um he's been saying this basically he's been really talking bad about Deion Sanders ever since he left Jackson State to go to Colorado. Um I'm not going to really get into everything he's been saying uh, and everything like that. I would say this. He he is – I don't know why he's so upset about Coach Prime leaving Jackson State um, and everything like that. My thing is I don't know why he's directing all his negative energy towards Deion State. Yeah, I, I said Deion State. Deion Sanders – why not, you know, what, what, what's with the, 
how come you're not going over De- going at Jackson State for not keeping Deion uh, Sanders, or at least trying to make an attempt to keep Deion Sanders at Jackson State? I, I'm not understanding because he's been at this quite a while, and I'm thinking like, dude, you know, he he's been telling you what's been going on, and yet you still mad at him for leaving. Let me pour so, me up another drink for that. I just don't understand, like, Dr. Mm. Umar, what, what is your beef with a guy taking a job that wanted him to come? And he said, listen, you know, I could fulfill my obligations here, but you said earlier he was putting, he was pouring his, his soul into that that program he was doing seemed like everything finding these kids clothes to wear traveling he was cutting the, the grass on the football field he was doing that he was paying coaches out of his own pocket to coach his team where the school didn't want to pay his assistant coaches and you upset that he's taking a job at a, at a bigger school right uh bigger conference um Obviously more pay, but for him, it's more of I could coach on this level, the highest level of college football, right? What What is your take on Dr. Umar's, uh, I would say, negative uh, energy towards primetime? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. Omar Johnson, and this is no disrespect to Dr. Johnson, but to me, he is upset because Dion refused to set himself on fire to keep the rest of the HBCU football community warm. Mm. See what I'm saying? Dion's Dion's job, even though Dion went in there and brought a lot of notoriety to HBCU football and the HBCUs, and he didn't, he he did that just just being Dion, just being the the marketing guru prime that he is. Dr. Umar Johnson is upset for the same reason so many other Black people are upset. Dion leaving because they wanted Dion to continue to lead historically black colleges and universities to the promised land. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. now, now he's a he's a sellout because he took his talents to Colorado. Do the, the selfish part of me? Does feel like, yeah, I, I wish he had stayed a couple more years. He was great. But the business side of me, the the, the side of me that's, that's a man that ha- that thinks about my family and the people around me I'm and think about business, I'm glad he went to Colorado. Dion was the first coach to leave an HBCU, first head coach to leave an HBCU and go coach at a PWI, the first. You know how big that is? 
And a power five school at that. A power five school in Colorado. Resonate for a minute. Colorado is probably one of the most conservative states in the union. Yeah. Well, outside of Denver, you know, you take Denver out, and Denver's pretty conservative as well. And you hire a coach, a a confident black man that's coming in with class and and swag and unapologetically who he is. Uh-huh. That that speaks volume. That speaks to me. That speaks volume. And what Dion did was laid the blueprint for what could be done with HBCUs. Yeah. Who is following that blueprint right now? Who picked up the torch and said, you know what? I got us from here. I'm going to take the blueprint. I'm going to take the foundation that Dion laid, and I'm going to build on it. Nobody. Nobody. You got HBCU coaches that were mad at Dion when he came to uh, Jackson State. Eddie Robinson Jr. said in an interview, Dion's not swag. What the hell does that mean? He's not swag. At one time you at one time you weren't swag. At one time, anybody that's a prodigy of HBCU, of a swag, MEAC, whatever. They weren't until they got immersed in that culture. Until right. They became a part of the culture. So he, and, and he was too busy hating on this man. Why? Because this man was getting the shine he deserved. Like you said, he spent a lot of money dressing these kids and he got them, he, he, he paid for the seats in the stadium. So you got people in the, in the stadium singing One Monkey Don't Stop No Show sitting in seats that Dion paid for. Right. When he first got there, Texas Field looked like um, a war zone. He cleaned all that up. And Jackson mm-hmm. State, from what I'm reading, from what I hear, they robbed that man. They sure did. They robbed that man and then told him after they robbed him, they're going to continue to rob him. Where it's like, yeah, we're going to pay you the one million we promised you, but you got to pay your staff out of that one million. What? So Dion does what any people hold celebrities to a higher standard of accountability that they hold themselves. I, and I've said it before, am the corporate office manager and catering director for Slim and Husky's Pizza. And I love my job. But if there was a pinnacle that I wanted to reach in my job and Slim and Husky's couldn't get me there, but let's say Pizza Hut called me Uh and gave me an offer that I couldn't refuse, what do you think I'm going to do? I mean, you got you to gotta think about yourself. You got to think about you your think, family. You think, right, right. You got to think about, I, I have children. I got, I got a daughter in college. I, I, I've, got, I've got grandchildren. I, I've got a wife that I've got to take care of. So people are upset at him 
for doing things that 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 they would do. Which I never understood because we all know we will leave a job for another job if they're willing to give us more money and and pretty much show us more appreciation than our current employer. So but I just don't understand that fact. And not only that, they, you, you're making a statement talking about, well, he don't need the money. To him, it really, it's, it's not even about the money for him. You got to look at what has transpired while he was at, at Jackson State. You know, like I said, they were basically saying, we're not going to pay your assistant coaches. What's letting me know is you don't really want a, a good football team. Knowing that when it comes to football, football is the biggest money maker of a college. So, yes. so therefore, you don't want to invest into the football program by, you know, giving him the staff that he, you know, trying to put together to put a successful team out there on the field for you. Because his job is to win games. That, that's that's his, it. That's, that's his, his job. job. That's it. And you, he got to have the people in place to help him succeed at winning games. Cause if you don't win games, you lose your job. That's, that's just how, that's how it goes. That, so that's how it works. If you don't do your job, you don't, you, you got to find another job. They go find somebody else to do it for you. That's just business one-on-one. Yeah. And people, and, people understand business, but they, they take that. They take what he did more personal. Like I said, they expect him to make moves that they wouldn't make themselves. So the so the great we we know the greatest HBCU coach all time, the you know, late great Eddie Robinson. You know, let me ask you this. Back then, back then, if he had a choice, you know, if he had an opportunity, which he really wasn't presented with the opportunity. But if he had an opportunity to go coach at a big school, right, at a big power five school back then, do you think he would have taken that job? I I don't know. I don't know if he would or wouldn't have, but I wouldn't be upset if he did. And people for those who don't people want promotions all the time. Yeah. But you don't but you don't want to see somebody else get promoted. Which is crazy. You know, it's just makes sense. And and for those who don't know, uh, Coach Eddie Robinson, out of all the college coaches, all right, out of all the college coaches, whether it's Power Five, HBCUs, whatever, Coach Eddie Robinson uh, was voted uh, top five, I think number five, greatest college football coach of all time. So um, he's, you know, you know he was worthy. He has – and that's another thing I think, too – Back to what we talked about earlier, Eddie George could take some inspiration from something like that just by building the program, you know, even though I don't think coaching is truly his passion, but this is something that, you know, you really want to stick with. Take that inspiration and build a program and have those athletes come and want to play for you because of what you have done and everything. And knowing that pop, that pipeline from that school to the, to the, uh, NFL, but I I just think that anybody who had an opportunity, you know, to get a chance to coach on the biggest level, you know, 
yes, money will come with it. But if you have that opportunity to coach on that biggest level, to prove to people you can't coach on that level, why not take a shot at doing it? I mean, do what Dion did. Dion took some of his players from Jackson State and brought them to the to the Power Five. You could do the same thing. Yeah, you recruited on this level, but if you got a chance, you know you got some players that probably need more exposure because you feel like they can play on the next level. Why not take them with you? And that was the thing, too. I think that was hating on Dion too. He took his best players from that school with him to Colorado. Not him just leaving, but you took your sons, you took Travis Hunter, who we all know is going to be a first-round pick, you know, if he able to stay on the field. I don't like him playing too many snaps. You know, he's taking way too many hits, and he's getting tired. He's starting to see now. But take that take that chance. I mean, what else do you got to lose? You don't have nothing to lose. If you already proven what you can prove on this level, move up and try to prove it on the next level. That's the only way I see it. So... I don't, I don't, I don't get the hate. I don't get what Dr. Umar was saying. You know, just it's all about elevation. Now, another thing too. Nobody, if you, I think a lot of these coaches don't believe their true worth, too. Because, you know, they feel like, well, this is the only opportunity I get, so whatever they give me, I'm just going to take it. But if you know you're worth more, you should go get more. That's, that's real. And and Dion knew he was worth more. And Jackson State wasn't going to give it to me. I, 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 I believe if the situation was different and Jackson State was doing what they told him they were going to do, that they would have had a better chance of keeping him. I'm not saying he would have stayed. I'm saying he would. They would have had a better chance of of keeping him. And here's another point too. If you, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but when he got hired on at Colorado, Colorado didn't even have the money to pay him. No, they didn't. They took a leap. I think they brought him on five years, twenty nine million, and they knew they were gonna get it. They knew what they were bringing to the table. That it's like hysteria out there. You you see it? You yeah. watched a couple of Colorado games, and like he said, you said, uh, this is the lowest he's going to be during his tenure at Colorado. Like he said, you better get him now. Get him now. Better get him now. I hate that they blew that twenty nine point lead. Oh my goodness! The game, so I was sick behind that. Like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> what kind of what kind of conversation did he have with y'all in the locker room? It was like two completely different teams, but. Um, it, it it's just going to get better for him where he is. This is his first year, and yeah. nobody expected him to contend in his first year or his first two years. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're. I see them making a playoff two years from now. I just saw him making a bowl game this year, and they're two games from a bowl game. It sure is. With a, lot, with, a lot, with a lot more football left to play. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the bowls already reached out to him and said, we want you to play in our bowl game. He ain't even won six games yet. Nope. And he already got, he's already received a bowl invitation, a bowl game that's, invitation. That's how big he is. And another he, thing. He's just huge. He's and another huge. thing, too, when you have a Deion Sanders, you know, right there, 
you know, I'm not saying you're going to compete money-wise. I mean, you're not going to do it. But there's other things you have advantages of to keep them. Um, well, I'm not going to say necessarily keep You could have kept him a couple more years longer, you know, probably extended him. They didn't even try to extend his contract. No, That's what people they, forget. They, they, they could have treated him a lot better than they did. And they didn't. You and had all these years. You had all these years to say, look, we know we're limited with this guy. And you know this, but from a business standpoint, you didn't even try to invest into what he was doing down there for your school. Because he was he he brought he brought national media to your school, which they don't do. ESPN don't go to HBCUs. Well, they I think they did like one or two because Stephen A. Smith and well, Stephen A. Smith is from a HBCU, but he brought them to the he brought them to Jackson State. He he was bringing all this attention, and from a business standpoint, you got to invest in that. But they probably right. figured, well, he's only here for a couple of years, so why would we gonna you know investing in this, knowing once he get an opportunity, he's gone. That's every coach, every coach who gets an who has an opportunity to go. And just at HBCU, it's smaller schools, smaller, uh, whether it's even a Division II school. We have seen coaches coach Division II uh, football, basketball, work their way up and coach uh, major college programs. I'll give you one example. Bruce Pearl, college basketball coach. He coached Division II um, basketball, worked his way up, got to Tennessee, you know, pretty much changed the, the men's program around. Now he's down there in Auburn doing the same thing. So, but every, it's just the fact that every everybody is looking for upward mobility, whether it's within or without. So That's real. I, I'm just saying that while you had them, this is this is your window. This is your window. Just and the same with the bag. You fumbled it, and now they fumbled the bag. Think about it. This time last year, people was talking about Jackson State. Now nobody's talking about Jackson State. Nope. Right. So for Dr. Umar to come out here and basically go off on Deion Sanders, this is not a charity case. People forget there's a business aspect to this, even on the college level. Is there's a business aspect to it, and the fact that he did what he was supposed he. Deion Sanders donated his own money back into the program. That's the part that he's missing. He's like, oh, black man want to go to the white man and prove that, you know, he belonged on that level. Do you know there were other black coaches that was coaching on a, in a, on a power five level? There's other, there was other black coaches before him. And I guarantee you that, you know, not all of them got their start on the HBCU level. But they got they start at small schools. But see, that's so. that's 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 where the problem comes in. Again, they were looking at Dion to be the savior of the culture of HBCU football, and they're upset because he <clears throat> left. Instead of focusing on well, our next move, this is what we need to do now. They're still bitter. Because this man went on about his business. Because and they put they put expectations on him that they wouldn't even do for themselves. I know people right now on my timeline 
and I ain't calling no names. They know who they are. That are mad at Dion for leaving the HBCU and they've never been to an HBCU game. Never. That, that's never. crazy. Never. The time they might have seen an HBCU team play was when TSU played at Austin P. That's about it. I know for a fact they've never been to an HBCU game. Right. You don't even support HBCU football. But you, you're mad at Dion for doing something that you don't even do. And the fact, like, and it's not even just like supporting. You don't even try to even watch a game. I mean, like, if you go on, if you have ESPN Plus, right? They do show mm-hmm. some HBCU games on ESPN Plus. You don't even click on that game and watch it, right? right. So it's like, why you get upset? You can't get upset for a man doing what he's supposed to do, right? But you're not getting mad at the school who basically had the gym right there in their hands and they basically like gave it away. And not only that, but the, the, I, I, I actually talked to somebody about this. Where is the big donors at HBCUs? Exactly. Exactly. So, so many, so many HBCUs fumble the bags in more ways than one. People talk about Oprah, who is an alum of TSU. Yeah. She, she was giving TSU money, but she wanted her money to go to be spent on certain things. And I that's like your mama give you $6 to go buy yourself some school clothes and you come back with video games. You think your mama not gonna have a problem with that? She would. Same rules apply. Oprah gave this money, but she wanted this money to be spent in certain areas. And TSU didn't do that. So she stopped giving money to TSU. I've got a cousin who's on the board uh at Tuskegee when Tus- he lives in Indianapolis. When Tuskegee played in the Circle City Classic. He gave my cousin a stack of tickets. They didn't discuss face value, how much he was supposed to turn in, none of that. He said, here, sell these and um, and just bring me back the money. When my cousin took him back the money that he made off the tickets, you know what the dude did? Put it in his pocket. That's crazy. He didn't count the money or none of that. He just put the money in his pocket. And this is the type of shit that goes on behind the scenes at HBCU. Does it go on at PWIs? Probably. Yeah, it goes there it's too. A lot, but it's a lot easier to hide $1,000. It's a lot easier to stick a couple of thousand dollars in your pocket if you are responsible for tickets at Oregon than it is if you're responsible for tickets at Alcorn State University. Yeah, because you know at those major schools, them donors out there, they gonna want to see receipts. They want to see the books. They want to see everything. Because you know their money, their money, their rules. And if you don't have anybody out there who, um, if you don't have any big donors at these schools, which actually, how Deion Sanders got paid at Colorado because 
the uh from what I read, the student body and the alumni all chipped in. It's like, hey, we got Deion Sanders. We know what happened down there, but we ain't we know what we're getting in return from Deion Sanders. It's not just a school thing, it's also a city thing as and well. It's, just, it's, it's like any other piece of money you spend. When money go out, it's either a liability or it's an asset <clears throat> all day long. And if you're pouring money into a program and you're not seeing the results of that program, it will stop funneling money into it. Yep. Yep, definitely. And now on there, Dr. Umar, man, you talking about another man leaving the school and this and that. You've been talking about opening your own school for I don't know how many years now. We haven't even seen the school yet. So worry, worry right. about getting yourself together before you start, you know, worry about what another man is doing. This man is not that, hurting anybody. So that's the deflection. That's the deflection. That's all. I I don't care if he does hear this. If you want to comment on it, I don't care. But you know, leave leave Coach Prime alone. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's given a lot of these. And you got to think, too, at these major schools, most of the players at these Power 5 schools are predominantly black when you think about it. So, I mean, I mean, David Banner even uh, once commented and said, we got to stop sending our top black athletes to these PWIs. Well, guess what? Do you know what PWIs have outside? Well, what PWIs have that HBCUs don't? They don't really have the money like that. Facts. They don't have the money. They don't have the, the notoriety. They don't have the showmanship. So if I'm a top five athlete and I go to Alabama, and from what I hear, Alabama's weight room is eclipsing the weight room of a lot of NFL teams. If you look at... Go ahead. I was about to say, I was about to say, um, I don't know how Tennessee State's uh, weight room is like, right? But there's a school, and where you at, Montgomery Bell Academy, what I've heard, that their weight room is like a professional, like NFL-type locker uh, weight room. And I already know how much tuition is there, too. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, their their weight room is way more all of that stuff, you know, when they get recruits, they see all of this stuff, right? The facilities, you know, things like that. They probably meet some of the professors, whatever they want to major in and things like that. Money, I mean, top players want to be seen. They want to be seen. They, and of course, the NIL deals come into play, so if they want to go to uh, Ohio State, if they want to go to an Alabama, if they want to go to a Florida um, or Miami or Texas, I mean, those donors out there, some of those companies like, yeah, you come out here, man, I want to get you a deal, um, this and that. What's that one school, before we got here, what's that one school that donated all their players with trucks? Was it Utah? I think all the players got trucks. Yeah, what school was that? I don't know, but I, I, I heard – I heard that story. Let me see. Let me I think that was uh, Utah. So you got to think. Players, they now they're starting to treat this like it's a business. I'm not saying they weren't treating it like a business before, but now it's more uh, legal 
to do so in that aspect. So, I mean, it, it was Utah. Every scholarship player on the Utah Utes football team would be cruising around Salt Lake City in a 2024 Ram 1500 Bighorn. Think about that. You're 18, 19, 20 years old. You got a brand new truck to cruise around. A brand new truck. So like now, 2024. So now these athletes are like, man, what can they know what they're going to get out of me from this school, but what can I get out of this school? And that, again, that, that goes back to what I was saying. That's part of the allure to TSU. And I know I'm not expecting TSU to go out and buy all of their players' trucks. Yeah, they, they, they probably can do that anyway. But still, um, but, but you've got to have something to attract them. I'm also attracted to flame. Yeah. So you have to have something to draw them in. You got to have something to compete, and that's Eddie. Eddie George is is part of that. He could be part of that allure. He could be part of that. You know, use his star power for good and and build that program up. And not only that, get with with these donors. Like I said, they they expect Eddie George to do what Prime did, and Eddie's not doing it. No, Eddie, but Eddie's not prime, and I'm not expecting him to be prime. But he could step his game up. He so can. And so, look, look, Eddie. If you ever need somebody to be on your marketing team, hit your boy up. Man, holla at me. I got you. You know, so we'll we'll get you right, man. I know. Uh, we we both want to see you succeed. We want right. to see the program succeed. You know, we we. Matter of fact, we want to see all these schools succeed. So, you know what I mean? If this is truly your passion, that's something that you got to ask yourself, too. This is something that you want to really be a part of, or this is just something like, well, they want me to come here and just coach. You know, And that's something, and, I, that's something I wonder. Is this something you really want to do, or are you just, you just doing it because somebody asked you to do it? If your heart ain't in it, if you don't have a passion for, it, if you don't have a desire to do it, then you're only going to go so far. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm I'm not doubting his passion, but it is kind of suspect when you're more worried about the people that aren't coming to the games than you yeah. are about your program and the, thanking the people that have spent their their resources to actually attend the game. I mean, one of the things he said was like, well, we, we have an opportunity to have a winning season this year. You have an opportunity to have a winning season every year. Yeah, you just got to have an opportunity. Yeah, we have an opportunity to be five and two. You have an opportunity every year to be five and two. You have an opportunity to be undefeated. Uh-huh. So it's like, I, I get the message. I just don't like the way he's directed the message. And I really wish that that somebody had truth read his speech before he got upstairs, I mean, got up on that podium and turned that mic on. Yeah, you need a PR person out there to go over. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> hey, man. This is, hey, what are you trying to say? No, 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 don't say that. Here, this is what you need to say. And hand it to him. Yep, definitely, definitely. Well, man, we're coming towards the end of the episode, man. This was a great episode. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to hear more stories about this. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it some more and everything like that. 
Uh, before we get out of here, man, you have any last words that you uh, want to say? Man, again, thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure. It's always a great experience to to hop on this hot mic and 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 share, you know, pop culture and sports and entertainment and anything else that we talk about on your podcast. I, I'm still proud of you. Uh, I'm rooting for you. Keep keep doing your thing, man, and, and and take this podcast as far as you can. Definitely, definitely. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, once again, man, y'all make sure y'all follow Drinking After Dark Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And y'all make sure y'all subscribe to the channel, all right? Until uh, next time, for my cousin Ron, I'm Darius. We out. Peace. Peace. Gotta get to the money. Gotta get to the money. Get to the money, get to the money, uh-huh.